You're telling me I'm dead? Hey, it's no big deal. Everybody around here is. I don't know why people are so surprised. Look, don't worry about it. It happens to everybody, okay? Now, look, the band's starting to tune up. You got to get out there and audition. Audition? Hey, I don't do auditions. I'm America's hottest comic. I don't audition. Well, you better do this one. There's a lot riding on it. Like what? Like where you spend eternity. <laughs> We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed me smacking my mic uh, as we played the intro. So we're nothing but professionals here. Uh, we always do it live, and I'm I'm just just hitting things already. It's it's a mess. So welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah, you get us unfiltered, uh, 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 professionally <laughs> unprofessional. Right. That's uh, that's what we should say. But yeah, welcome. The best that no money is uh, spared to you <laughs> yeah. know, do for you guys. We're, worth you know, worth, like, worth every every dollar not spent. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, welcome. Welcome to Straight Highways. This is the anthology based podcast in which we uh, mainly watch the Twilight Zone. We do cover other things as well. Uh, we're going to be covering other things uh, soon. Um, we still we're almost there to our summer of other things for a bit. It'll be nice to get there. Uh, but uh, we've covered the original series. Uh, we've covered um, the more recent Jordan Peele produced uh, two seasons, which uh, there is kind of a weird connection with this segment. I'll ask you if you think that that this connection is valid according to the trivia. Um, and then also we're now um, in the very back half, like what the last uh, two or three full um, like broadcast episodes of season one of the 80 series of the Twilight Zone. It's, it's been a while. Um, it's been, it's been quite the, quite the ride. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Uh, good, bad or, and otherwise. And we, well, the, the, the nice thing is that the last few segments have actually been pretty decent, if not decent, good, you know? So the, the, the season we'll get there at our year end recap or our season end recap. There was a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, tough road, right. To quote, was it James Cameron talking about aliens that it's 40 miles of bad road. I said we had, I, I think we had 120 miles of bad road sometimes with some of the stuff that we got through, but we've, we've had some good, we've had some good segments recently. So it's nice to know that it could still happen. It wasn't just like, it's going to be, you know, um, bad all the way down. So that does reaffirm a little bit of our hopes and aspirations for this iteration of the twilight zone. Yeah, it is nice that uh, even in the last episode, both segments were really good. Yeah, so, like Need know. to Know and Red Snow was a pretty good, like the, good for different reasons and uh, well worth people's time to check those out. And I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. But on to this episode, and this is a segment I did tease last week saying, please watch it. Um, go look it up on YouTube. Go look it up on Vimeo, Daily Motion, wherever you find it. Um, I'd say like... Uh, I, I mean, I, Terry and I think might might have different opinions about this, but I think this is one that needs to be watched kind of kind of sight unseen because we're going to end up um, spoiling it. 
It's called Take My Life, Please. It's uh, That's the first part of season one, episode 22, segment A. So I'd say, you know, if you've not watched this yet, stop listening, go watch it. It's like 13 minutes. You know, you could do you could do worse with your time. Oh, yeah, it's breezy. I mean, this yeah. one I got through real quick and I was like, well, that was that was it. So it's 13 minutes yeah, with with the intro sequence from the series added in there, too. It, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, out of this uh, this episode, we'll actually have three stories again, like we've had in uh, prior episodes that we've talked about. Yeah. So some smaller segments here. So this is uh, the air date for this episode was March 28th, 1986. Number one song, These Dreams by Heart. Number one film at Police Academy three back in training. I couldn't find anything for day and date. So I started kind of poking around uh, and I started, I Googled, uh, what was it? March, 1986 magazines. Cause you know, we've had some fun with that. Uh, evidently Molly Ringwald was having a moment cause she's like on six of these, um, which makes sense for the time. Right. Then also I looked up uh, Rolling Stone from March. It said introducing um, Bruce Willis, which I think is like funny because we talked about him in the very first episode of the new twilight zone, uh, Saturday. And then, and he actually did that right before moonlighting took off. So he like already were in, um, not even like six months later and he's already on rolling stone. And then I also see on McCall's, we have a uh, Sybil shepherd. So moonlighting is just, just exploding as a show at this time. So I thought that was kind of interesting to kind of see like the pop culture, like, you know, where, what we talked about and seeing it kind of manifest itself, um, in regards to real time when these episodes came out. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a fair way to look at it and to, to trajectory of some of those, uh, stars too. It's, it's like, it's crazy. Like Bruce Willis is such a household name now. Yeah. Uh, but it's just funny seeing him like with that small smile and actually in a hairline on a cover. Uh, but so the other thing to point out is from March 1986, because I was like, I know we've talked about Playboy and Playgirl previously. And so I found the covers for both of these for the March 86 issue of Playgirl and Playboy magazine. They both feature the same um, person on the cover. Um, and it's, it's a celebrity that, um, that, you know, but you may not um, view as having like a, a pictorial spread, an interview in Playboy, and then also being like a subject of interview in Playgirl. Um, I will say that um, you, you would never guess in a million years, Terry. But I, I just I'm kind of building suspense because you would be like, really? That's who? Um, Sally Field is on the cover of uh, Playboy uh, from 86. I mean, she's cute. Don't get me wrong. Like Sally Field was America's sweetheart, you know, from, you know, uh, cannonball run and all that stuff. But like, she's dressed like a bunny and that, that uh, cover of Playboy. And then on Playgirl, she's dressed like nicely and looks like she's with like John Tesh, which is not him, but it's weird because it's like, she looks like she's dressed to go out for dinner versus dressed up as a Playboy bunny. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I know she was pretty popular back in the day, like you said, Cannonball Run and all that. So, but um, that's that's kind of odd that she would be in both of those magazines. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing because it's like since Playboy got her, it's like, and I know that there was a, like a an affiliation with you know with Playgirl, and I'm sending you the image via Skype if you can look at it. But I just want you see this guy's hair of who she's with. This guy, oh, could, yeah. like, he's cleared for takeoff. Like that is <laughs> something, right? So. Uh, but yeah, so the, the headlines on the playboy one, and I'll send you that one too. So you can just make, so you can see the, the difference of, um, the juxtaposition of how they portray her on both magazines. Um, and people, you guys can go find this themselves. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be going on the social media and be like, Hey everybody, look at this cover for playgirl playboy. I found, I don't know. Go find it yourself. 
Um, go Google March 86. Uh, but yeah, I, um, you can see the difference of how they present her on both magazines. Uh, but I do want to read the headlines or the, 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 the cover copy for Playboy. It says Sally Field, an interview from the heart, how to kiss a girl. I mean, that's important. I think, um, a, val- a Valentine to bunnies, uh, can Jack Kemp outplay Bill Bradley? Okay. That's, you know, obviously relevant sports information. Um, and then I like this one. It says lady DJs, fast talking, hot looking, tune them in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, um, yeah, Sally field, uh, sex symbol, which I mean, you know, she can't, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, but it's like, I think of her now being like Forrest Gump's mother and then like, um, aunt may, you know, (laughs) so your mom really loves you, boy. Really? She really cares about your education. He walks out and just throws the 1986 playboy at a young forest and just walks. I don't know. That's not what happened anyway. So, so that's what I have for day and date is my, uh, my magical mystery tour of uh, different magazine covers. So that's the best I could do unless you had something else. Oh, no, that's, that's, there's nothing I could find. Really, so. <laughs> when in doubt, Google, Google's your friend. Not really, but, um, all right. So, um, yeah. So let's get into who did what here. What's our casting and casting crew here for take my life, please. All right. So even though there's like a million people in this episode, there is a kind of a smaller cast, uh, you know, for notes here. So oh, shoot. I'm kind of darn I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, uh, yeah, we love so doing right, this so. show, but it's just like, Oh, who's all the cast here? The state of Delaware. Son of a bitch. You have to look up everything. So yeah, yeah for real. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm a butcher of names, so hopefully I won't uh, do too bad on these. But our director here is a uh, Gus Trick Tricknosis. I think Tricknosis. Yeah, we've talked Trichnosis. about him previously. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've had uh, one uh, segment thus far of the four that he's done for Twilight Zone, uh, and that was Cold Reading, and then we'll have another one to come here soon. So, yeah. and then um, our next is our writer. We got Gordon Mitchell for this. Uh, lots of episodes of the Jeffersons, uh, Mork and Mindy, and episodes of Get Smart. Yeah, so Those you're kind of skipping. Really know. Yeah, th- so this gentleman would have like th- this is like the mini lives of Gordon Mitchell. Uh, only segment written for the show, but when he went from being a big band member, playing with Ella Fitzgerald, Dizzy Gillespie, Peggy Lee, Mel Torme, he played the bass solo on Stand by Me. Like when you hmm. first hear like that. So the guy had this like rich musical background, but he would move to Hollywood in the mid sixties and become a screenwriter. Did a lot of TV work. Like you're mentioning the Jeffersons. And so it's like, like talk about like just being like, you know what the music, you know, I, I ain't my scene anymore. I've, I've done my work. Now I'm going to go rate the Jeffersons. Like, just like that was the other gentleman we talked about. What was it last week or the week before that? Um, that had like the three separate careers, right? Like this is crazy. Like I didn't know this guy had like this big music background. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating dude. It seemed like, but uh, yeah. So then our cast we go, and we start off with uh, Tim Thomerson. I think that's how mm-hmm. he pronounced it. Thomerson. Uh, Tom yeah, Thomerson. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he plays uh, Billy Diamond. Um, he was in the the movie uh, Fade to Black. He was also in Iron Eagle, and one that we've discussed in the past, which was a great horror film, but uh, Near Dark. He's in that. He plays oh, the father. Yeah. Uh, he's also in uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But the interesting thing about Thomerson, aside from uh, being in the Trancers movies, which I know that's what Full Moon uh, that put those out. I've not seen any of those, but I know that's like his one of his like th- like claims to fame is that kind of genre film uh, playing Jack Death. Uh, he actually was a stand-up comedian in the 70s. 
and he became a regular at the comedy store improv as well as making numerous appearances on television variety shows um, around Las Vegas. So he actually kind of got his start doing this. And it's funny because you, we watch this episode and he looks like a terrible stand-up comic. It's almost like, I mean, we know it's by design, but knowing that you could have easily just put an actor in here and been like, yeah, be a terrible comic. I think he brings an extra amount of like cringe from having had success being a comic and doing improv. Yeah. It's good that somebody who, who's actually done the, you know, the circuits and that have, you know, were hired on to do something like that. So pretty good casting on their, on their part. Yeah. But very recognizable character actor. Like when, you know, you may not, he's one of those guys that you may not know his name, but you know, his face. Yeah, I as soon as I uh, saw him hit the screen, I was like, "Oh, that's the dude from Near Dark." Near Dark, you know. So, yeah. But yeah, it's good to see him in this. Um, but yeah, next we'll have uh, we'll talk about Ray Brutenka. Uh, yeah, it, it's spelled. Yeah, here, anybody can write in. Like, this, please write a letter to us. Uh, mail uh, PO box. No, uh, the last name is, is spelled B U K T N T E N I C A. Butensia. Is that what I think it is? I don't know, but it's a tough one. And I apologize if I messed it up. Uh, you speak the words way better than I do. A lot more <laughs> elegant with the words. Yeah, so, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not. As, I'm not very good with the wordy words, but yeah, I'm trying my best yeah. here. So, but luckily, his his name is pretty easy. It's his name is Max in this. Yeah. So, but he was in the the 1976 remake of King Kong. He was also in Heat, and he was uh, in My Girl. Yeah, and also there was a, a series in like what was it the seventies or eighties? I I love that like I love these series that have like two or three seasons because you know how like back then season runs would be like 20, 27 episodes, right? He's in something called House Calls, and it's fifty seven episodes of that. Where I I you know I'm sure even he doesn't remember being in that, but okay. it's like you know it's one of those things like you know there was only what three channels at the time, so we always forget what the counter programming was. And like what, what was kind of a hit because it did okay, but not great. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like this is one of those shows that was like, you know, like, oh, grandma wants to watch house calls. Like, ah, it has that really nice Ray guy on there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then next year we have a uh, Xander Burke, Berkeley, Berkeley, Berkeley. Okay. I appreciate that Xander. You had no problem with Berkeley was the problem you had with it, but continue. Well, yes. well one of my friends, his, uh, his son is named Xander. So. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but uh ex-ander <laughs> berkeley yes but uh yeah he plays dave uh he was in he's uh another episode of the twilight zone but from the 2000s iteration so we'll eventually talk about this gentleman again in the future but lots of episodes of walking dead uh, he was also in air force one and he was in judgment day terminator 2 and he's i think he's the boyfriend in Candyman. Uh, the, I think you're right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah. He was also, I, I definitely he, he, recognize this guy yeah. before. He was also in heat. Like our last gentleman we mentioned, and he was recently in two episodes, two or three episodes of the Mandalorian. Yeah. So, so still working. Yep. But, um, but next year we have, uh, James, uh, Mackerel, 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 Mackerel. Yeah. So he plays Marty. Uh, he was in the howling gremlins and then teen wolf. That's a, so this is the, uh, the game show host or whatever, a talk show host guy. And that's, I immediately recognized him from Teen Wolf. He was the principal. Yeah. So I didn't realize this because I don't think I've seen the howling as a grown up. I may have saw it as a kid at some point. Um, he played the same character in both the howling and gremlins as a TV reporter, which I think is fun. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I, I, I love the howling, but, um, and then next and last credit that I have here is, uh, Cynthia Lee Clark. She plays the show girl. Uh, she was in 
one one more episode that we'll talk about in the future, but a bunch of episodes of uh, Days of Our Lives and then a few episodes of Golden Girls as well. Okay. So interesting thing for her. Uh, she was in, I think, a, a product, as a movie or something, a TV, made for TV movie. I don't think it was a series. It's called Stat from 1991. Um, so she was actually um, getting a master's in psychology at the time and then working on getting a doctorate of psychology. While working on that production, she was the victim of a stalker. That experience led her to work in forensic um, psychopathology. Psychopathology. There we go. I got it. I got over that. I feel like I'm that guy that like tried to hurdle, like do hurdles, and then I just fell through all of them, and then eventually got over one. Anyway, um, she has over 70 interviews with serial killers, mass murders, etc. And I, like you could tell that someone from her her group or she wrote this. The next line today, she mixes forensic forensics with writing and acting. But dear lord. Talk about like being smarter than smart and then taking a personal experience and applying it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a very interesting career path. And, uh, you know, hopefully she's helped out a lot of people with, uh, with doing those, uh, that, interviews and with those interviews that, or she has like Netflix is like on speed dial or, um, she's actually probably the reason for 95% of true crime podcasts. I don't know, but like, you know, it's what I mean? very, it's very likely. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's who, who did what. And there was, um, a number of other people in this that I wish we could figure out who the guy was with the walrus mustache. Cause that guy looked pretty cool. Um, and also to per- maybe preferred the guy in the shadow, like taunting, our main character, but oh, well, we'll never know who they are, but they're interesting figures in this, this segment. Well, actually, um, I think that the, uh, the guy in, uh, that, that was taunting him was, uh, Tom Thomerson. I think that was no. him playing both roles. Oh, but I could I, be wrong. I, maybe, but I was also thinking maybe for a second, it might be as uh, Andrew Berkeley because he was in shadow. I don't know, but I watched the segment twice. And the, like, again, with this being shot on film and transferred to video, so, and also this being a DVD, like, well, well, I don't think we'll ever get any type of like nicer edition of the show. It's some of the stuff gets a little murky. It's hard to see sometimes, which is unfortunate. Cause I think there is some interesting cinematography in some of these segments that should have yeah, stood out better. It, it kind of sucks. It's like, uh, it seems like quite a bit of the episodes uh, because of how they're transferred and how dark the, the settings are in that you don't really get to see too much of what's actually going on yeah, in like, the episode. Like I think but, grandma would have been a banger if you could actually see what was going on half the time. It's still a banger, right? But would have been better. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're just like, you know what guys, you know what worked? Uh, black and white. That's what worked. But anyway, I, I, I guess I'm biased. Silly me. Right. <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's get into this. Let's get into take my life, please. Can everybody, uh, if, uh, I've warned you, um, Go watch this. Come back. Listen. I think it's worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get uh, Billy Diamond. He is a stand-up comedian, and he is doing a guest appearance on a talk show. And uh, he's got a couple routines and that that he's doing, and he's just cutting everybody up. It's like, he. I mean, everybody loves this guy. This is probably like maybe somebody's equivalent to like a Robin Williams back in the day or something. Like, Seems like a real big uh, comedian at this time. But uh, he does a banana routine, and he pulls it out of the, the show's uh, host's pocket, throws the banana, and then eats the banana peel, it looks like. Yeah. And then he pulls it out, like sleight of hand, pulls it out of the, the host's pocket. So, yeah, in the meantime, though, he makes some kind of weird, kind of like what looks what appears to be some kind of racist joke or something, because he says power to the people and raises his fist. 
Like, well, it's just, it's not, it, it looks, you, you mentioned Robin Williams. That's a good call in the sense of like that kind of like uh, free association, just you're being, you know, you're getting by on your energy. And I think that's what, I think that's probably the right call. It's just, this joke is terrible. It doesn't even make any sense, but it people doesn't. love it. <laughs> people love it. Yeah. But yeah, so, but yeah, we, uh, we get him, he's done with his routine and he's leaving the studio for the day and he gets into his car and while he drives off, he doesn't realize that Dave has been hiding out in his back seat <laughs> and Dave is pretty pissed off at him. Yeah. And Dave has a gun. Uh, Dave is, yeah, Dave is armed and he is not happy about how, uh, Tim has taken, well, I'm sorry, Billy Diamond has taken one of his jokes. <laughs> sure. Tim, Tim Thomerson took one of his jokes. That's fine. Yeah. This is based upon true events. No. Yeah. Um, right. Wouldn't it have been funny at first if like, if, if Billy had been like, it's like, um, you know, like, what are you doing? And then like, then, then like he, then the guy pulls out a banana and holds it against his head. He was like, Hey, <laughs> like, you know, I know what you did, you know? Uh, anyway, continue. But yeah, so he's, uh, he's upset because, uh, Billy has taken, uh, some of his jokes and he, you know, he tries to explain to him. He's like, Hey, you know, these are still your jokes. I didn't steal them. He's like, yeah, but you did it on TV. Now I, you know, you're always going to be the copycat now. And he's pretty pissed off about it. That's something he's been working on for a while. And, you know, he's not been uh, doing all that great for himself lately. So Dave wants to get paid for the joke that Billy has stolen from him. Mm -hmm. And he, he demands that he goes to his house and gives him what is rightful is his for his routine that he has stolen. And yeah. uh, Billy's not going down without a fight. So he tries to wrestle the gun away from him. He tries to do a couple other things. And all of a sudden, that's when we see a large garbage truck, I believe. And yeah. we are left with the thought that they got into a really bad accident. Because now we see Billy um, backstage. Somewhere. Some kind of so, production somewhere. Before we get there, though, do, do you recall because um, you mentioned Robin Williams, there was a story like Seth Rogen told about how he ended up getting a check in the mail from Robin Williams because somebody like said, Hey, I think you took that from Seth Rogen. And, Cause it was like on the tonight show or something. So then Robin felt so bad that he went in the head and was like, I'm just going to give him money because if I did that inadvertently, I didn't mean to do that. Like that, you know, that's interesting that that's kind of like a thing that happens with some of the, bigger names if they hear like you know it's almost like this like that's a code of honor like you don't do that like, you don't take jokes but, yeah there yeah. is actually quite a bit of a uh a hoopla uh created because of uh what is it uh, mencia oh uh, yeah my yeah yeah it's funny you don't hear from him that much anymore huh really yeah right <laughs> yeah, get, it's gonna be in a movie here coming soon he's in blue beetle but uh but yeah, some po supposedly a bunch of his jokes were stolen. Now I cannot verify that, but and people have accused Dennis Leary of stealing a lot of jokes too. But yeah, like uh, uh, so yeah, I mean it does happen though. But it was just like what you mentioned, Robin Williams. I remember that, and then he actually did like make a payment, you know? So, um, and then there was even what was I heard a story on Sports Talk Radio recently where the story goes that um. Uh, one of the guys was talking to, to Jerry Seinfeld and, and he made a comment and Seinfeld's like, let me give you money for that. And he's like, what? He's like, I'm going to use that line. I want to give you money for that right now. And he gave him like, you know, a couple hundred bucks and then moved on. And this was years ago, but Seinfeld was aware of like, that's a funny, that's a funny line. I'm paying you on the spot. Right. So like we, it happens. So right. anyway, that's neither here nor there, but I just thought that was interesting. But yeah. So, um, so yeah, we are seeing Billy and he's backstage, uh, Something's going on. A lot of people are bustling around in that. And when that's when we finally meet uh, Max. Max is 
an, an agent, you know, apparently, and he's going to give him some directions about where he needs to go. And he's like, well, wait, what's going on? What am I, what am I here for? He's like, you're, you're basically, he tells him that you're here to save your soul where it's going to go next, you know? So you better go up on stage and have some good material because, uh, your, your soul's in the balance here. <laughs> yeah. You're auditioning for where you're going to be in the afterlife. And Billy's like, I'm dead. And he's like, and I like the max. It's like, yeah, like we played it at the beginning. He's like, it happens to everybody. Fair point, Max. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Do you know how many related deaths chaotic. we have a year? Anyway, continue. <laughs> it's a little chaotic back there. So we find uh we we finally find the curtain and then Billy goes up on stage and it is probably the driest crowd that he's ever played for. Um, no one's making the sound, any jokes that well, he's uh, at first telling. at first there's nobody in the crowd, it's just one gentleman, right? Yeah, then, I thought that was strange. I oh. thought it was me just like I yeah. don't know what was going on there. I thought my brain, like I was having a stroke or something. I was like, wait, what, where'd all those people come <laughs> no, from? So first there's nobody there except for one gentleman. And then, but then the band's like, it's like this full on band playing them up there. It's very much like a variety show, like, you know, and him like starting with some of these jokes and the band kind of doing the rim shots and stuff. And you can tell that like, you know, he's trying to be like, Oh, this is like, you know, like angels and demons and whatever. And like, is the big guy here? And it's like, there's nobody in the audience except for the one gentleman. And you could, and then like all of a sudden, like Billy tries some of his just stupid material, like his John Wayne impersonation. That's terrible. Cause he's like, Oh, is the Duke here? None of it's working. And you could see him getting like flop sweat immediately. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And then that's, yeah, you were right. Uh, they do start filling in a little bit more people start coming in, but again, it's a very dry crowd. And, uh, that's when we get a heckler and this heckler is somewhat hidden in the shadow. You can't really tell who they are. But I believe it's supposed to be uh, Billy as well. So the guy who's playing, oh, Tim Thomerson. I if think if that's the case, that's awesome. I, again, that's that, that's on me for missing that. But that's cool that they gave him the chance to do that that part too. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, at least looks like his silhouette. It yeah. kind of sounds like him. So, but uh, yeah, that's when he, the heckler is like asking him, like, "Why don't you tell us about what you did to this, you know, yeah. prostitute?" He's like, he's "Tell like, us about the time you put the girl in the hospital." Right. Yeah. And like, uh, and he's just like, just directly saying it. And there's like, like in a, f- a few more people show up, like it's not even showing up. It's like they're materializing. Like when it cuts back, there's a few more people in the audience. There's a few more people in the audience. And, and then at the moment, um, Billy starts like, like telling them about like, you know, when he admits to, things that he's, yeah, done. when he, he's like, he, he's talking about her, it's like, Oh, whatever. And it's like, and then he eventually admits to like hitting her and it's like, you know, and they're like, why didn't you call an ambulance? And then, you know, and as he's like talking and he ends up saying like, you know, he eventually acknowledges that he broke her jaw in three places. Uh, she'd have to have surgery. People start chuckling and laughing as he's admitting to like these horrific things. Right. And then he mentions like, he says something about like, well, sometimes I have a temper and it basically says like all the time. And yeah. he just basically meets them, you know, admits to like just pulverizing this, this prostitute. And the audience and is starting to control laugh. it because yeah. he's like, he's an alcoholic too. And then he yeah. says, you know, and it's a lot of times I'm, uh, you know, I'm high. So he's like, he's admitting a lot of like showing off, you know, like worst parts of him in this, uh, in this set. Yeah. So then as people started to laugh that the heckler was like, tell us about Dave. And then he starts getting into like, well, like basically Dave was a chicken shit and we would never actually performed and it doesn't much matter. Right. But you know, um, but then as he's like admitting to like stealing this, his act, people are laughing more and more, you know, like, and there's more and more people showing like, like, but like just showing up, 
in this audience. And it's starting to get a lot more lively as he's up there sweating and like admitting to his terribleness. Right. And yeah. it is um, the juxtaposition of the laughter with him just bleeding out on stage is fascinating to me. Yeah, and he is looking a little bit more manic at this point, too. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, he's sweating and that. You could tell he's a little flustered. And, you know, again, he's like telling people about his deepest, darkest secrets. And they're getting, you know, they're getting the chucks out of it. Yeah, and also the fact that he's like kind of like bewildered that they know, right? Like they are, like whoever it is that's asking these direct questions already know. They already know the punchline, but they want to hear him say it, right? Like it's. It's yeah, it's like, and then eventually they're like, uh, they're like, wait till you hear how your mother died. Um, and that was, uh, whoo, that story, right? People loved it. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm terrible too. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like, uh, all this carnal knowledge of like what, you know, he's done to his mother, what he did to Dave. Yeah. Um, and just like, just how, how, much laughter is coming from the crowd now is like it's out it's overwhelming it's like deafening you know like he kicked his mother out she ended up moving back to philadelphia which i like that everybody started laughing at that i'm like i don't know why that's funny but sure um i mean i've been to philadelphia it you know i respect it like i mean i live in cleveland i can't shit on philadelphia anyway um and then like basically she ended up like dying in the winter uh, and, and the, it turns out it was hypothermia, meaning wherever it was, she was, she couldn't afford to be someplace with heat and his kicking her out is what killed her. And he knows that and him admitting it, the audience eats it up. Right. And then all of a sudden, like it's the end of the, the end of the set folks, like, you know, make sure to tip your waiters and, uh, and servers. And he ends up backstage and you can just see that he's like, what was that? <laughs> and, and Max is excited. Max is over the moon about what happened. Oh, he's like, yeah, you like, you killed him, man. He's like, it did great job. And it's like, you know, now you're, uh, now we know that he's going to be, uh, set up for a little while. And he's like, wait, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you're doing three shows a day, seven days a week. He's like, forever. He's like, yeah, we'll just start with like two millennia or whatever. <laughs> two eons or whatever he said. Two yeah. Eons, yeah. 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 Um, and then Max is like, you know, don't worry, dude. Like, this is great. And he's like, we got you set up and like, you know, got you a little, like basically like we, we put you in this, this tiny room, but you got some amenities. He's like, you know, if you need anything, just dial six, 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 ask for anything you want within reason, <laughs> which I thought was a funny line. All, again, all things considered. And then Max wanders off. He's like, yeah, we'll do lunch tomorrow. And then Billy's just like, like, you know, just under, the realization sitting in that his hell is, admitting being a terrible person repeatedly in front of an audience for eternity, three shows a night, seven days a week for eons. Yeah. Um, Which I think you would be a little desensitized at maybe after the first week or whatever, but it's like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like that bad of a gig because it's like, you're not writing the material. It's what's happened to you in your life and the poor choices <laughs> you've made. He's got room and board. And I was like, yeah, that's not too maybe, bad. <laughs> but you, you almost feel like there'd be almost like that kind of like, um, like that Clive Barker Hellraiser tendency of like after a while, like if you're not feeling it, they're going to ask for something more. Like they're going to keep twisting you. Right. And they're going to keep twisting you because if they're not laughing, then he's not, you know, I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's like, he's going to end up like having to, it's almost like, um, you know, he, it, it, it almost feels like, I bet you if this went on like a longer form, and it would almost be like going out back out on stage and still be put in that same position where he's ripping the bandaid off every time, you know, right. like that's what I feel like that to me anyway. Um, but yeah, I, um, 
Oh man. I, um, I really liked the segment. This was a humdinger. Like I, I taught, I, I front loaded it last week, but I like this, this thing. The first two minutes, it, it's a proper setup. I just don't like any of it because I don't think it's really well done, but it also sells that, uh, Billy is kind of a hack and a thief. Um, but I love this type of like judgment, right? This is the comeuppance and I think it's really dark and I think it, it, it's aged really well. Yeah, and you're not supposed to be rooting for uh, Billy. I mean, as, mu- as much as he was a star and everybody seemed to love him when he was on the first stage, mm-hmm. we found out that like he's really he's just a prick, you know. And it's like, yeah. and then we, we do have the the fourth wall break of him just like staring right at the TV too. So it's like, which that hasn't happened very often, but like you can see the the horror that is going to be his now reality. So but, I, I, yeah. I actually thought it was a, a really nice ending. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think this could have been, you know, I could easily see this being a original uh, series episode, maybe not with like so much of like the direct statements of horrific things, but you, I could have easily seen like, you know, a guy like, you know, and especially like early in the series, whenever every performer wore like a suit and tie, you know, like back then the black and white days, you could have easily had a comedian dying on stage and like finally breaking and admitting to being terrible. Like I could, Oh, I could see this being like it, this, this has the DNA of why I like, I mean, not that I'm not saying that, like, just give me, give me episodes with bad people doing bad things. I don't, I'm not saying that, but it's like, it has that right. Um, that right mixture of like, Oh, you think you're getting away with something? Oh, you have, you think, you think you're giving you, you have the opportunity that that you've been seeking and wanting. Well, be careful what you wish for. Like I, I dig this segment. You know, like maybe maybe because of the intent goes a lot further for me because I don't see this type of of black nastiness, like this dark streak running through this iteration of the Twilight Zone so far. Yeah, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. To yeah, I think that, this was like true. You got your setup. You got your uh, your story. You and got your you punchline. Uh, yeah, you know. It's a yeah. You know, it, like, it was nice and tight, and it it was uh, like a perfect length for this uh, segment. Yeah. So I really dug it. So I don't know if you have uh, any other notes. I have a little bit of trivia about this, not much, because like, again, it's only thirteen minutes. No, nah, man. What uh, okay. what else uh, do you so, have to bring? So the first thing I'll mention, because uh, I think there's a little bit of scrutiny here, where some like someone put like on trivia where it's like this was the inspiration for whenever they did the revival, the Jordan Peele produced revival. The very first episode was called "The Comedian," that uh, Camille Nanjiani. Um, I don't know if you saw that one or not. Uh, it was, I did not. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you should go and watch it. It's really good. It's just, he's playing a comedian that is bombing. And then when he starts to find a way into to get people laughing, it comes at a cost. And that's, that's all I'll say about that. If you've not seen it, go watch it. Um, you know, I think it was on YouTube for free originally cause they want, they, they let that go out like as a first episode. Uh, but it's like four bucks or whatever. I think to rent it's good. Camille Nanjiani is really good. Cause also he's a funny guy in playing a struggling comedian. It works. So I don't know about that because uh, they're, they're different means and in, in terms of like the, what goes on with this. The other bit of trivia here that I think is funny because I'm beginning to build a case for why maybe this series, this iteration wasn't successful. It says here in his introduction to new stories from the twilight zone series, executive story consultant, Alan Brennert described, take my life, please as a bad script. We should never greenlight it in the first place. Remember Alan Brennert, 
and uh, Phil DeGuerre are guys that are super excited for episodes like, what was it? Um, the Little People of Killarney Woods or Killarney Woods. You know, like they thought that was a delightful segment and they're saying this one wasn't fit for air. I'm beginning to think that maybe the people that had their hand on the tiller, as much as they appreciate the Twilight Zone, I don't know if they were the right people to be the caretakers of it. it yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny how the well, you get an episode like that and then this one, they say that it wasn't a good episode. They've said that about uh, like a handful of the episodes that we've discussed to this point. And I'm just like, some of them really weren't that bad. So I don't know what the hell they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, the only only one that they that I think we all have a consensus on, and it will come back to haunt us when our, our uh, season review is uh, opening day. That's one we can, we can all agree on was like, I don't know how. Like, I want to believe that that was the one that, like, it just got made and no one would take ownership for how it got made. <laughs> you know, it's like, did you do this? No. Did you drop the script off? No. How did this exist? You know, like, I like to believe that it just kind of manifests itself as bad. But like saying that this should have never made it in the first place, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm not saying, how do I want to phrase this? It takes multiple voices to make a show like this work. For me, considering all the Twilight Zone I've written, you know, and produced, but like you can have, um, you can have, you know, your Richard Matheson's, you know, your, uh, you know, uh, my goodness, I always, uh, Charles Beaumont, you know, you could always have, you know, George Clayton Johnson. You can even have your goddamn Earl Hamner Jr. You have different voices, right? And that's, you know, good. And, and Rod Serling predominantly, right? Right. So you want to have different takes. You want to have different approaches. But when you're saying something like this shouldn't, like, I don't know where your sensibilities are because I think you need, um, like, you need the sweet and the sour, for this series to work, because if you're, if you're constantly only getting sour, then, you know, and so in some cases people would might say this about something like black mirror, where it's a sledgehammer more often than not. So you're like, do I want to be depressed this week? I don't know. But then, then it sneaks in with like, uh, like Sandra Dupero and black mirror. We're like, Oh God, there is a little bit of joy here. I guess I could, I guess I could kind of meet this series halfway. But this, it's like, if it was constantly goofy, don't care. If it was constantly dark, like, like, um, what we watched that one episode of what was it? Um, uh, the Hulu series, um, uh, not, it wasn't called, was it called, it wasn't called monsters, but whatever it was called. Right. Um, um, Monsterland. Monsterland. That's it. Right. It's like, my God, I wanted to sit in the shower and ball my eyes out for an hour after watching that. And from what I understand, that's how the whole series runs, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if I want that all the time. So I'm saying you you need you need a little bit of variety, and it, it frustrates me that this was dismissed when I think when I think that its dark black beating heart is perfectly within the Twilight Zone. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and I love revenge storylines in a sense. And it was like it was like the world, the cosmos, getting our way uh, back at uh, poor Billy. Billy Diamond. <laughs> like, is this is this that dissimilar from like Kentucky Rye, where the guy gets in the bar, right? Like, it's no. not that far off, right? Like, like, and I, it's like, I mean, again, you know, be careful what you wish for. That's a staple of a lot of these shows, but it runs kind of the same, like, you know, same landscape, and that's okay because I mean, <laughs> I mean, if people uh, spoilers, if you guys don't understand that, um, most stories have you know an introduction, a rising action, a falling action. You know, <laughs> if not, I don't, I don't know what you're watching, right? But yeah, I don't know, man. Like I dug this one, and it felt like, like we've had we've had a good series of segments in a row, um, and it was just nice to see that it's capable 
of there it's capable of being mean with a purpose still you know yep exactly yeah. and it, it's its own little flavor too it's like it's uh, i i really enjoyed this episode i think i think it was even on the second watch i actually think i enjoyed it more so yeah so all right so that's going to do it uh for that discussion but let's go ahead we got to rate that twist <laughs> I will here. Here's my twist. My, the twist rating we, we we rate one to five. One meaning we saw it from a mile away, and five meaning mind blowing. When the segment was called "Take My Life, Please," and it started off with a comedian with the worst joke ever, I was I was worried that I would be mad for the next thirteen minutes. And so the twist for me is that this turned out to be like you know what it was. So I didn't see this coming in terms of like you know the, the comedian in hell securing his place in hell by burying his soul. So I'll give that a five because I did, man, I had, I had such bad vibes starting this off and the way it ended. It was like, it was, um, you could do a time lapse of 13 minutes of, of, of my reaction. Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah, what, yeah, I was, I'm going to have to give it a three. I kind of figured something was going to happen to Billy in the, the, the sense of like, you know, like the, uh, twilight zone, like twist of fate, like where he's going to get his. I was kind of, I kind of seen that like coming from a little bit, but you know, it, it, it was its own flavor. And I, I actually, I still, I, it, with all of that said, I, I enjoyed how it was presented. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cause I was worried that it was just going to be them in the car discussing like joke thievery, <laughs> right? I was worried, I'm like, I don't need, I don't need 10 minutes of exposition about like who stole what, but anyway, so, all right. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for our discussion about take my life, please. Um, which I think is also funny because it, it, I, I like that it has a double meaning because it is a, a hacky joke from the old days of comedy and it has like, you know, the otherworldly application to this too. So credit, I, I do like a, a title that works both ways. So I'll say that. So, um, yeah, you guys can find us on Facebook at strange highways. Um, we're always posting weird images. I have some here uh, involving a banana and a gun that sounds yeah. out of context. That sounds really bad, but that's what we do here. Um, you know, I think a couple episodes we talked about some ghost dicks. So, you know, here you go. So, um, <laughs> you, you guys can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. Um, I do see people on the Facebook page sharing some of the stuff that we're posting in terms of images and stuff. We greatly appreciate that because it's like, if you find that funny and you want to share with other people, they don't, they'll be like, I don't know what this is. Then they maybe check out the show. Right. And that's the first part of this pyramid scheme in which, you know, there's no money involved, but you should also tell five friends. That's, that's your, that's your homework for the week. And, that uh, is, Terry, that is your homework. <laughs> and, uh, we would love if you did it, if you yeah. told more than five people. So, yeah. <laughs> so then we could have six, maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> six or seven people. If you feel like, you know, feeling bold, um, yeah, I'd be like, hey, you guys want to hear a podcast about weird stuff with bananas? I'd be like, what are you talking about? Anyway, so, yeah, and Terry, where can people find us otherwise? Uh, we're on Instagram, folks. Uh, go ahead and check us out over there. We're having some fun on there. Um, just another one of those things, a, a little tool in our bag to, to help us get the word out. And if you could, you know, like and share and follow us on there, that'd be awesome. Awesome. All right, so uh, let's talk about what we're doing uh, next. <laughs>
And before we find out what's next, I forgot to mention uh, during the course of the show uh, that uh, Terry and I did make an appearance on At the Devil's Ball uh, with uh, Nathaniel and Samael, uh, friends of the show, and we love going on their show. We uh, talked about the 1999 film 8mm uh, with Nicolas Cage. It's, uh, it's a very dark ride, but it was a wonderful conversation with those guys, so please go check it out at the Devil's Ball episode number 145, 8mm. And now, what is next? And now, Mr. Serling. Next episode is uh, Season 1, uh, Episode 22, Segment B, uh, Devil's Alphabet. Uh, it is... It's 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 a little bit more of a ghostly, spooky little story that I... We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, it involves fancy men doing fancy things. So... Right? Um, I was hoping this would involve like um, like a, a soup of some sort, but it did not happen. I was hoping like, like for like... <laughs> like real, the devil's communicating through... Uh, like this uh, really, really angry soups. Like it's just like, <laughs> like look at all these nines. That's, those aren't nines. You know, like... <laughs> 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 like I like to like there'd be like a time where it's like Chef BRD like with the omen. I don't know. Um so anyway, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway, so that's gonna do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week, have a safe week. In the meantime, um, you know, don't steal jokes, uh, don't be a dick, and don't eat banana peels. That's weird. Yeah, uh, please don't eat banana peels. That sounds disgusting. Now that you got it in there, what are you going to do with it? <laughs>